This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by UBCP ACTRA, a.k.a. the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists, the national organization of professional performers working in the English language recorded media in Canada. For more information about UBCP ACTRA, visit ubcpactra.ca. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work, capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Ronnie Ferminger. It's a bleak November afternoon in Vancouver. It's raining, the kind of damp, cold rain that winds itself around your bones and holds on for dear life, no matter how many layers you wear or cups of coffee you cradle in your hands. When it's bleak and rainy, like it is today, it's hard to forget that you're in Vancouver, even for a moment. But for the last couple of days, I've managed to forget this place for hours at a time and escape to somewhere warm, vibrant, and musical to New Orleans, New Orleans, New Orleans? I don't know how to say it, I know how to spell it, and I know how it feels. And I have Karen Conneval to thank for the escape. Many of you will be familiar with Karen's acting work. She's a highly physical thespian with a knack for disappearing into complex, sometimes non-human roles. Karen portrayed an orangutan named Maurice in the Planet of the Apes films. In 2018, she won a UBCP Actor Award for the dual role of Chucky and Judy in The X-Files. And in 2019, she was inducted into the BC Entertainment Hall of Fame. She's beloved for playing Dina on the most watched television drama in the world, The Good Doctor, for her work as Dr. Pelton on Snowpiercer, and frankly, for dozens and dozens of other scene-stealing roles on screens large and small. But Karen is also a painter, a photographer, a dancer, and a writer. And it is thanks to her writing that I managed to escape to New Orleans this week. Karen is the author of On Constance, her latest book that hit retailers last month. On Constance is the story of Karen's journey to and then through the remarkable city of New Orleans for four months in 2013. It's a memoir of a profound summer and what it means to find resonance and joy in unexpected encounters and unlikely places. Today, we'll talk with Karen about her journey to and then through New Orleans and the singular journey that awaits on Constance readers all over the world. Karen Conneval? Conneval? Can you please say it for the record? (laughs) 
Karen Carnival. Carnival. Fine, any which way. A carnival. I will get it right by the end of this episode. <laughs> Welcome to the Waver Screen Scene podcast. Thank you so much, Sabrina. It's great to be here. Now, is it New Orleans? New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Almost like it's one word. Okay. New Some Orleans. people, I mean, yeah, New Orleans is, is not it. New Orleans. New is, Orleans. Is okay. Nola, for short. Nola. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, in April 2013, you boarded a train. You began a 41-hour journey to New Orleans. Uh, golly, I guess it was a bit longer than that. Even it was more, longer. Yeah, it was um, two days from Seattle to Chicago, so 48 hours that far. Wow. And then another 24 hours to New Orleans after that. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Many, many hours. What expectations did you carry with you about New Orleans as you began your journey? I don't entirely recall. I don't think that I had anything in particular in mind. It really was a vague sense, as I believe I say in the first chapter, that mm. it could. there was some sense of a possibility of magic there. What that might mean... I had no clue. Um, certainly, I was drawn to wanting to hear the music, to find where the music was, um, uh, the food. Um, you, that was certainly there. Were, there were things like that to me, but it wasn't. It wasn't a sense of wanting to go there as a tourist. It was something. It's like a place that it all had always called to me, and I didn't know why. And there's been a few places like that that have called out over the years, and th- this was one of them. Hmm. Um, so I don't think I actually had a clue what to expect. And it's not like I had thought, oh, I, I'd like to go to Mardi Gras there sometime, or I'd like to go to Bourbon Street and party it up. Um, I sort of went with an open question in my mind as to what is this place? Hmm. And so, and I know you cover a lot of this in the book, and I feel like the stuff we're going to talk about today, it's going to give people a taste, but... People really need to get their hands on this book and dive in or get their hands on the audiobook and, you know, allow your words to to wash over them. But can, can we let people into some of the surprises, you know, of New Orleans, you know, like in what ways did New Orleans surprise you? Maybe at the beginning and then later upon reflection, well, you know, I, I think one of the well, actually, the very first surprise was because when I arrived, I'd been told that it was going to be extremely hot all hmm. summer and I arrived and it was freezing cold and I had, <laughs> I had no umbrella with me I had no raincoat um, I think I had one little sort of cotton shawl and it was I arrived on what was the coldest rainiest jazz fest in history like mm. that they'd ever had and um, of course it did warm up very quickly so that was the first surprise and um, I think the weather in general um, j- just the the violence of the daily storms as they went through the summer, like every every day, and the the way the way the water would pool and rise so quickly that was mm. quite shocking to we, we, you know living in the Pacific Northwest we're used to rain, but when it rains in New Orleans in the afternoon and you can see the storm clouds coming, and then when it hits um, several times this happened to us where um, the water comes up and it, you'd literally be it'd be up above your knees we could be filming somewhere and all of a sudden the water was up to our knees or not that there's anything about the film in the book but this was an experience that we went through working wow. every day and we were working outside so it was so that's one of the things that surprised me enormously was just the the extremes of that yeah um and i think the music hit me almost right away, just the way that uh, the 
the city breathes music um, and on the street like yeah. literally on the streets of New Orleans wherever you go it's filled with music wherever you go and and that music is something mm, it's um, I don't know it's, it's something of the soul but it, it really does get inside you as the, my time wore on there the thing that which I didn't understand <clears throat> till much later was the actual architecture of the city like what it's actually built of mm. and that's where the most unseen magic for me ultimately came is literally from the bricks of the city something I didn't fully understand then it took years afterwards to sort of process like what is that thing what 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 held me like what held me the the tightest and even now I continue to learn about that um, I was thinking just the other day <clears throat> and this is not something that I realized while there or um, even while writing the book is that New Orleans is literally shaped like a bowl like geographically it's mm. shaped like a bowl so when these storms come in it fills up like a bowl yeah. and then of course it drains as well but the other aspect of that is I think there's something about this city that literally holds space it holds space for hmm. um, experience of, of all kinds but it's a very particular quality of holding space and it's all I've been starting to muse on that the last couple of days I realized something the other day and went yeah that's a very particular thing about it and that's also a part of this journey that I didn't I didn't realize hmm. you know in time for the writing of it do you think your your experience of chasing the magic, experiencing the magic in New Orleans is done? Or do you think that, that there is more more for that the city will reveal to you, you know, or, or another volume of unconstance coming? Because because ultimately the gift to me, or the reason for the book is the gift that New Orleans gave to me, which was an understanding and a sense of something that for me goes far beyond the actual place and I believe it does that for for many people mm. I was only there for four months if you talk to someone who's born and bred in New Orleans and the depth of their feeling about the city I, you know I mean I couldn't even begin to speak to that hmm. so um, I've found throughout from the moment when I got on the train with a notebook and a pen and went basically asked the question you know what what will the story be I had no no clue except I knew um, that I wanted to document whatever I saw in photographs or in writing and you know there was a reason for that because given the nature of the role I was playing I knew I was going to be living in basically complete solitude for the entire time there mm. outside of when my partner visited so where that took me took me from and living in this somewhat orangutan state of mind throughout um, and entering the city from that place and and what it continued what it gave me throughout was amazing even in its simplicity in a way and it was a, it's a very unique personal journey mm. it's not a it's not a travel memoir of here go to new orleans and do this and do this and do this yeah. it could only have been experienced from someone sort of having to go in a, 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 in solitude um, and from this orangutan state of mind and and then the things that unfolded along the way and the people or the characters the individuals i met because some of them were not um were not human mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> yes 
it was it was quite something. So I have to say, in terms of the surprise, I was surprised throughout. And then when I came home and I had all these writings and I put them away for three years and hmm. thought, you know, um, well, that's nice. <laughs> and then about three years later, I put the first putting together of the book in 2015. And it went through several drafts and I went, well, that's nice, but I still don't see a reason to share it further. I, you know, it's a, it's a simple journey. It's special, but it, and it wasn't until literally last year that I finally understood the destination of the piece in, in its journey within a journey place. And that's why I decided it's time to share it. So for surprises, it's continued to surprise. I mean, it's almost 10 years later. Yeah. And now that the book is being read and listened to by people and the responses that I'm getting to it and getting getting from people about the book, which are quite uh, amazing to me. They're just amazing in terms of um, people's delight or being touched or whatever, whatever that is. It's reaching people in different ways. So the journey just continues. And for me at this point, I'll, I'm more sort of call it the on Constance journey rather than something specific to New Orleans. I can't think of anything that I'd more love to do than if somebody said, will you get on this train here or this whatever? And there's something about, um, you know, you can fly and get places quickly, but as soon as you start to travel extremely slowly, whether that's on foot or on a bicycle or on a train, mm. um, things that gives things time to arrive. You get on an airplane, you get there. And um, since I began flying again in 2017, I probably had, I've had a ton of flights since then. And you do, you just, you get there. Yeah. There's no, there's, you know, you might get a glimpse of a story on a plane. Very, very, not, not too much more than that. But on a train, you're moving so slowly and you have to have such patience and you can be surrounded by um, very interesting characters or not. Um, and there's just something about moving into that slow place of, of observance and stuff. So anyways, I would love to do a lot more of that. It would be wonderful. Well, I, really I would love, love to it. read a lot more of that from you. I want to talk a little bit about the experience of writing the book and bringing it to the point where it's in my hands right now. Um, you mentioned that you started writing the book, well, first when you were there and then 2015 and then last year something something happened uh what was it about about last year what happened i can say that um after we've what we've sort of been through over the last couple of years like moving through the pandemic just all mm. the challenges for everybody um which have been different for each of us and i've worked throughout it but i've also lived in a aside from my work I've lived in a complete lockdown mm -hmm. um, I brought my own lunches to set and I'm one of the I'm one of the remaining maskers in public spaces now mm. for various reasons I have you know family responsibilities that I'm uh, very aware of so um, so for me outside of my work which of course you know and as an actor working in this industry you're and especially on well say a show like snowpiercer for example like we could work in a train car with 75 people all shoved in together and right. so so we were under constant risk of exposure and stuff and you've got to so basically i i stayed quietly at home or in the park or groceries or whatever no restaurants no traveling no nothing mm -hmm. and there was and aside from doing my work and spending time with my family there was um the place that that called me to that i really went quite willingly to at you know when back in march of 2020 mm -hmm. um 
this quiet solitude inside, aside from, you know, as I say, being with thousands of people in the yeah. work that I do, um, it, I kind of learned from that that not only was it such a gift available, the gift of going to that stillness and that the stillness, the solitude, and the facing whatever one's own demons are. Mm -hmm. But everything is just like, this is all we've got. It's just like this right here. And the journey that can happen inside that, the gift and the um, so many beautiful things can come out of that and certainly did for me just in terms of, um, I, I mean, I found myself quite blissfully needing less and needing less and needing less mm. and that it was pretty much coming around through all of that and then when I went back and looked for the reason that does come up in the end of the book when I did pull down the writings off the shelf and look at it mm. one of the things I'd always felt when I uh, finished the piece in 2015 the initial part of the initial um, putting together of it which is which is different than it is now but I'd always thought, it's just, who cares? It's just a little personal story. Like, who cares? What happens? Where does it go? Nowhere. You know, I mean, like, who cares? How can you have a journey to where? Nowhere. And it kind of took moving through the solitude and the gift of this stillness of pandemic to go, aha, yes, you can. Yes, you can have a journey that's worth sharing and um going on even if it's not bells and whistles and oh, oh my goodness then the dragon ate the lady or you know yeah. or whatever um yeah it just always it, it it all it always struck me as such a such a small journey in a way and then when i saw i went oh no the journey is actually very large it's just subtle and it's mm. it's underneath this other journey and it goes to a very simple destination that is most worthy to speak of. Hmm. The solitude that you're describing, is it similar to the solitude of of being an orangutan? You know? <laughs> Who could know? Um, <laughs> it's a really interesting thing. Um, it, be, because I, I I do talk about in the in the opening of the book about um, that like the reason the only reason I even mentioned that I was going there to do a film and was is because I was playing an orangutan in it and that and that state of mind that one needs to go to and I did feel through filming all the Planet of the Apes movies that um, playing an orangutan especially a mature male orangutan it calls you to this place of solitude you have to go there mm. you. Um, you have to hold that because they they are the masters of a solitude of a kind and but not just that they're the masters of observing watching hmm. and i felt that i mean that was that was one of the the sort of the preeminent things i learned from when i first played maurice in rise of the planet of the apes that the watching the trusting in stillness as an actor and that watching truly watching not like showing that i'm watching <laughs> but just like you know watching yeah. was key to the magic of that character so 
you know, step, you know, forward to the next film. And, and the, the, it's sort of that, that perspective that um, is where I led off from on this particular journey. And I don't know, I, in a larger way, playing a, playing a mature male orangutan character taught me more about acting in some ways hmm. than many other things that I've ever done. Um, because of that very quality of embracing stillness, watching, doing nothing, seeming to be doing nothing, but basically it's the whole um, inner life that is, that's where the vibrancy is. Hmm. It's, it's inside the inner life. And um, if you watch orangutans, well, I haven't, I haven't been fortunate enough to see them in the wild at this point, but even in at the at the zoo in Seattle, where I've been uh, friends with the orangutans there and visited for the past well, 12 years now. Um, and they have a wonderful outdoor habitat that they can go out into and often and they'll take blankets with them and vanish for, you know, four hours just under a blanket off in the by a waterfall or in the in the in the you know, off in the leaves or the brush or something like that. And I was actually there about um, two weeks ago for the first time in three years Ugh. and that was really it was it was a bit tough we'd lot um in the interim um Malati the orangutan that I had painted for and with on opposite sides of a window just to be clear for nine years she passed away uh a, almost a year ago now oh, I'm sorry. and it was it was it that was really rough so this was the first return visit since her passing and um one of the things I'm still relating to this sense of orangutan stillness on the first day that I was there, I could feel her absence or very keenly. And then I was wandering around following her daughter, Bella, for quite a while. And at one point, Bella just went outside and vanished under a blanket, you know, down in the brush somewhere. And finally, I just stood, I don't know, it was like 200 feet away from her up on the boardwalk. And I sort of landed in myself at that point and or land and landed in the visit actually for the first time when I realized uh, I could feel the absence and I could also feel Bella's quiet presence mm. under and Bella's a very um, somewhat remote to herself um, orangutan and I realized that the journey from now forward is going to have this different quality of a sense of communication and connection in this stillness and distance and yet we're still connected so mm. so I believe that I'll be able to answer more about this what is the you know what is the nature of what can or not even what is the nature not what is the nature of orangutan solitude but what is the nature of the gift that I or anybody else could learn from being in the the presence at a distance from an orangutan who's not Melody was always like right here as soon as she'd see me she'd be like you sit down yeah. hey, like right Paint now. now it was like yeah it was a very back yeah. and forth but now the journey I know will be it will be different but it was still um it had it it had an incredible magic and I went all right I'm about I realized I'm on a new journey now and I'm about to learn some new things and of course over the course of the three days Bella came around to want to be with me in a number of different ways and I'm sure that will continue in the future but I'll never forget just standing there for I don't know 
she was sleeping under her blanket down there somewhere and I was just standing up listening to the wind in the trees for about an hour and I went okay there's there's even more that I can learn from them now there's hmm. even more I can learn from them yeah you have a new teacher yeah and every true. time it's like you don't get a you don't get a syllabus being like this is what you're gonna learn it's like you yeah. have to just be open to be like okay yeah I'm ready to learn what are the teachings and yeah. it is amazing what they have you know um, what Tawan taught me about acting and about yeah it's, it's, I mean it's it's just incredible then learning to, to just to trust in stillness and to just be there yeah how does that apply to your writing then of of the book like was it about trusting you know you knew when you were done you felt that <clears throat> um I guess I mean like I knew when to put it away in 2015 when I went yeah. well okay that's nice and um, we've done 40 drafts and that's great and you know or whatever because yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a big red penciler like clean it out clean it out yeah and I also I every when I write then I will record and listen and then red pencil red pencil anywhere there isn't flow so it's, mm. it's most of my writing whether that or anything else is is written to be read aloud um, I'm listening for the flow just like you would in a piece of theater like yeah. where does it flow where's the, the pause where's the breath um, between things and so when I came back to it last February beginning of last February and then went I could I could see the the I could see the forest for the trees for the first time mm. which I hadn't been able to before so then it did go quite fluidly now it still went through another 40 drafts for goodness sakes I mean it, it did and then I was like red penciling all the way to the last minute but I I love doing stuff like that it's like when I go oh look another word I can lose look another <laughs> sentence I can lose this is great yeah and one of the um one of the most wonderful so anyways that that sort of that it kind of went fluidly like that and I mean I probably it's possible that I could go you know six months from now I go oh we could lose that now too I don't I don't know but if that there, I did get, get to a point the red where pencil went, edition there's a limited yeah. edition coming soon <laughs> I did get to a point where I went okay yeah. we've red penciled this thing within an inch of its life and actually even with because I was such a um I was such a dog with a bone with a you know copy edit and proofreading and I was just with every little thing and then finally after the last proofread when it was it's like you know one more revision is going to we're going to be this book will be out at christmas you know it's not and i that's not what i wanted i just what i thought so i've actually left three to, to what i can see is i've deliberately left three errors in the book three spelling errors <laughs> one one is an really? one is a single extra letter i know exactly where it is one is an extra is uh, it's like well, it's like the word ah uh, appears twice. Um, and then in another place, there's an extra L. And then I can't remember what the third one is, but I went, no, we're going to actually let this thing go with these th three, as far as I can see, imperfections in this. Like, so even with that, it's it's been like... I love and, that you did that. I love that you know. And I love that you had you had the, I don't know, some growth there or something to be like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let it go. I'm letting go out into the world. Well, I thought if there's those yeah. three, even after all my, because as I say, I can be a complete dog with a bone when looking for trying to, you know, clean, clean through things, clean through writing. But I went, no, I'm going to let that I sit. I didn't even notice. See, that's like, great. And I used but to now... edit a newspaper and I didn't even notice, you know, because also that like the book also, it, it, 
it flows. I mean, and I think that's also you, the way you, you, you spoke about your process of writing and then reading. And then if it doesn't flow, like, so for me, it really, it flowed. So it was almost like I was into the next word before I could even <laughs> notice an extra A or an extra L or, or anything like that. Well, ho- hopefully there isn't more than the three that I mean, yeah. they say that I spotted it. There probably is. I'm always. I'm told that there's always hundreds, and I thought, no, there's not going to be hundreds in mine. I'm going to get them. But anyway, but you got him. You but got at them. that point. I went, okay, no, this this will be fun. Yeah. And for the folks who like to go, oh look, there's an extra ah. Uh. <laughs> so you, it's been it's been out for a couple of weeks now. Yeah. Um, so you've heard back from some people. You said, has yeah. there been anything in the, in the response to On Constance that has has surprised surprised you or that has stirred your heart and soul in some way? A couple of things. I mean, people have seen from the responses I've heard, people have either gone really slowly and just gone, I'll just do a chapter a night or whatever. And other people have gobbled it. Like in one, whether it's the audio book or the, and I've been a little bit surprised at the gobblers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I was like, I literally even spaced it in the in the print book so that there's an extra blank page before mm. the next chapter that's deliberate i'm a I, gobbler <laughs> and i i gotta like let me just interject here i'm not usually a gobbler i'm usually like okay a chapter i'm gonna take a break but maybe it's just it's a book that i need in this moment it is so bleak right now mm. in so many ways you know not just with the weather but also ukraine and also some family stuff and you know i guess there's my my heart needs to get out there get out into the world to be mm. to be far away you know and what you what you do with with the book is is provide i mean i love that there's a door there's a, a an mm. open door you know, but you can't really see what's on the, it looks like there's another door <laughs> through the door. Yeah, there is a, um, a red door behind the blue door. But you, you you open a door into, I mean, I've never been to New Orleans and I, I've, I feel like I've been there now, you know, and that's like that I've I was there at the very cold and rainy jazz fest and that I've I've had, you know, some incredible food and that I've I've, you know, marched in parades and danced and, you know, had all these incredible experiences, you know, that because of the state of the world and because of the pandemic, you know, that like I couldn't space it out. I just I needed to Mm. I, I needed to walk through that door. Well, I'm so and that, stay in that world. And that door, it's amazing because the, these blue doors of the Children's Museum, this photograph I took on Constant Street, um, and it was only one day that summer that that blue door was open, and the sun was just hitting the red door inside in exactly wow. the right way. So I'm, I have several other photographs of the blue doors of the Children's Museum, but this was the this is the only photograph that I have of the day that blue door was open and. How fortunate that it was, you know, the sun was hitting it. But, I, but it wasn't until the book found its title last February. And then I realized and then I went looking, where is the photograph that I want to put on the front of this book? And then there it was. There it was. <laughs> but I'm, I'm so like, I, I don't mean to diss the gobblers at all. I just, you know, you, you sort of think, oh, well, I've written something that will, you know, has space and breath or whatever. And. I don't know, you know, and then but many people have written to me about um, like listening to it all in one night or mm. 
or reading it all in one night or all in one day or one afternoon or something like that. And then yeah. I've, I've realized now it's like, well, that's great. That's yeah. wonderful. I'm delighted. That's fabulous. I've heard from a couple of people that they're on their second or third listen to the audiobook. Um, okay, that's great too. How wonderful. Well, now I want to I want to listen to the audiobook frankly and have that experience and you know how it how it might change how I feel about the book and the journey, you know, if it when it's uh, coming through your voice. What a gift you've given us really, you oh, know, to bring you. us into that into this into this journey. Um I want to talk one more moment about New Orleans. New Orleans me and New Orleans are old friends now. <laughs> what advice do you have for people who who read your book and are like, I want to go and have my own on Constance experience, my own magical mm. experience in New Orleans? You know, what? Where, where would you recommend you know people people start? I don't know that you can go searching for magic. I don't know that you can. Mm. I don't think that's what it's about. Um, like when I set off on that train and I did have a sense that I was like, well, I've always thought New Orleans sounds magical, but all I did was, okay, I've got a notebook, I got a pen, I got a camera. All I'm going to do is go on this journey of this experience. And, you know, um, it was a, it was a hard summer. Like this, while this is going on, I was in the midst of a very tough shoot, often mm. six days a week, 16 hours a day, out in the heat and the bugs and the, all the other stuff. So that's that's a whole other, no, that's, that's not what this book is, but yeah. um, it's as much a part of my New Orleans experience as, as everything that I've included in this book. I would rather that people, rather than New Orleans in specific, I would rather, if there was something I wanted people to get from this, it would be to consider the places where you least expect to find magic. The, mm. the places, whether whether it's in New Orleans or whether it's anywhere else, but or it's in your bedroom where you're stuck for two years in Qigong practice <laughs> mm -hmm. or whatever or at your kitchen stove or wherever those places, because I don't think it's a matter of being able to seek magic. I think it starts by a an embrace of right now, like whatever is the right now right here. It's not something that's out there somewhere else. It is actually right here. And within that, because as soon as you arrived in the present moment and the right here, um, and orangutans are such incredible teachers of that. Yeah. Where it appears there's nothing going on, nothing of interest, nothing of magic. This is often the place where the door opens to the place mm. where the magic is. So if I would like any people to get anything from it, it's to consider afresh the things where you go, I just, I just, I got to get out there somewhere. I got to get out there somewhere. I got to, I got to find magic. I got to, mm, I got to, no, no, it's actually, it's, it's like something that we each have available starting right here, right now. Yeah. And yeah. So, so be open to, to, ma to magic anywhere and everywhere. 
Yes. Even here in Vancouver, rainy, bleak, yes. damp, cold Vancouver. Well, you know, like yeah. in the in the three months before the before the pandemic did hit, um, one of the things, yeah, I say that right now because here it is November and we've got you know the atmospheric river going on up there. It's just delightful. And yes, I'll be I'll be soaked by the time I get home, and I'm wearing my rain pants that are squeaking away here underneath the microphone. But anyway. Um, into the fall of 2019, this you know, three months before the pandemic hit, what I was doing was I was walking the streets of Vancouver mm. um, in the downtown east side, meeting people who make their homes on the street. And that mm. was my, my last art project before um, I, I went up at the fire hall. It was called My House Is. So literally, I was walking and meeting people living in tents or in cardboard or under chairs or wherever and sitting and talking with them and asking them if I could photograph them. And then while I didn't include their photographs in the exhibit, I turned them into paintings. And um, uh, but but so for the for like October, November and December of 2019, yes, in this weather. And mm. I was just <clears throat> And I was just in sweatpants with a baseball cap on and not even an umbrella, just sort of because I didn't want to I didn't want to stick out anywhere. I really wanted to be able to talk to people yeah. and hear about their lives and if they wished to talk to me. And they did. And there was magic everywhere. Yeah, there was magic, not a block from here, like on, under the Granville Street Bridge one day. There was a man who was he had um, a rake and a broom. And he was cleaning up everything. He was raking up the wet leaves. He was sweeping the wet leaves, and he would only let people give him money to as a as a thank you for clearing the paths. And he talked about how important that was to him. How he wanted to do something, and he could do something wherever he was. This is incredibly moving. The um, like there is magic ev everywhere, even out in a horrible rainy day in Vancouver. You're really challenging me to, I don't know, to to sit with Vancouver in a, in a different way and find, because I have such wanderlust as well. You know, maybe it's it's been the, the years of staying put, mm. you know, um, my soul is crying for something, for, for to, to, well, to wander mean, afar, but you're right, there is magic. But it's it's understandable, like the you know the itchiness and wanting to wander. I think, but the the I think what we're really craving under that is um, is a, a connection, like a soul connection, and a, a connection to beauty, a connection mm. to a connection to some kind of magic. And it can get hard to feel terribly magical when you're like, okay, I've got to cook this dinner, I'm scrubbing this floor, or whatever, um, or whatever. It can be hard to feel magical when you're um, in an atmospheric smoke-filled train car with a hundred other people and you're like okay all right you know <laughs> I mean I mean I love I'm not I'm not dissing my work at all I love my work very much but um, but I think the access to the magic and to the beauty and to that sense of fulfillment it actually starts through this very still place and then um, being available to go on that ride. And if right now this is where the ride is, is, you know, here, then, okay, the acceptance of that is, um, because if one is, I want to be out there somewhere, do you know what I mean? That then, then mm. one isn't getting the, the sense of satisfaction and connection here because 
we're sort of over there somewhere. Right. And certainly on this journey through this book, one, the one thing I did do is go, all right, I am just here. I mean, I, I don't know, all hell could unfold. This could, you know, who knows, right? Who knows? Um, but I have a pen, I have a paper. All right, I'm going on the ride and I'm here. And there's something about that place of just being present. Um, and again, I, I thank the orangutans for, for teaching me about that. And um, yeah, so beauty can happen just about anywhere. That connection can be available. Fantastic. Wow. I I love that I'm sitting here with somebody who really like, you know, I I was going to introduce you as like a, you know, a storyteller. And I mean, you are a storyteller and an artist, but you're also a kind of like a like like you're a proprietor of magic or like you <laughs> like a facilitator of magic, you know? <laughs> you make oh, me want to like just like to to run out there and to figure out how to be to be present and and be open, you know, to the magic that is that is all around well, us. Well, I would be the I'd be the last one to think of myself. Well, anyways, but uh, the proprietor of magic, but I, yeah. I love that thing. <laughs> but anyways, I do feel that it is like a like it is it's it's not out it's it's a, like a not out there thing. It's a right here thing, and that's why I wrote the book because of that. Realizing that oh, it's right here. You can you can encounter a street like Constant Street in New Orleans where there is nothing on it. It's not Bourbon Street. It's not Mardi Gras. Mm. There's no restaurants. There's no po' boy sandwiches. There's no second line parades. There's nothing. And that could be the place that you were heading all along. Wow. Okay, so where can people want to read this book? They want to read it right now. I would love them to. <laughs> where can they find it? Um, they can. The best. The best way would be to go to the On Constance page on my website, okay. KarenConnable.com, and there there's choices. So you could buy it from Amazon. You could buy it from Chapters Indigo, um, Barnes and Noble in the states. Um, Friesen Press is the uh, what I self-publish through, so it's available there. And then the audiobook is available at Post Hypnotic Press and um, uh, Audible and SoundCloud and just probably just about any you know place that you know one could download an audiobook. But maybe not just about any place. But I'm not familiar with all the platforms are that way. But should be possible. But if they just go to the on it, like there's it's in the menu bar on Constance. Okay. And you just go there and you can you can see it. You can see it. Okay, so that's at Karen Carnival. Dot com, com. Yeah. And I will have a link to the website in the footnotes for this episode. What an absolute delight it's been to have you here what today, a Karen. To have this conversation with you. I really appreciate um I really appreciate your appreciation of the book, like on the level that, that it reached you. I really do, Sabrina. Thank well, you. I appreciate the the uh, opportunity to walk through that door, walk through that that blue door into onto Constance Street. Where can our fans find you and follow you? and celebrate you on social media are you on social media um, <clears throat> yes i i have a i have a twitter um oh, handle okay. thing and i do have a public facebook page karen conable actor artist writer that i post on sometimes um on those those are the two public okay. places that i that i do excellent Okay, and as as Karen said, you can also purchase the book in print, ebook, and audiobook form. Uh, a copy of your own at KarenConnell.com. All right, thank you. Thank you, Sabrina. All right, listeners, please 
Like, subscribe, leave us a review if you are so inclined to help us find even more listeners and we can keep having magical conversations like the one that we had today. Find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVRScreenScene and at Sabrina. The YVR Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Ronnie Mera Ferminger, and it's edited by Simon Ferminger. Special thanks to Mariana Ferminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Ferminger for technical support, and to Dane, not Ferminger Devil for the original music. Webair Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! Hey filmmakers, did you know that you can hire top quality, experienced, and professional actors for your films? If you're producing a student film for course credits, working on a web series, a short or a feature film, you can afford to have some of the best talent in the business in your production. How, you ask? Well, UBCP Actor has an ultra-low budget program, which offers a range of options that cover everything from student films to productions with a $300,000 budget. There is a ULB program that will meet your needs, regardless of your budget. To learn more, visit ubcpactor.ca and look for ultra-low budget programs or email ulbprogram at ubcpactra.ca. Now is the time to jumpstart your dream for the screen.